Hello creatives, before we dive into this week's episode of Unpublished, I wanted to let you know that if you are in Australia, the UK or the US, you can listen to my audiobooks on Spotify Premium. So if you're already a Spotify Premium user, my audiobooks are there for you for free to listen to. This is a really good way to support me as an author. Uh, From what we can tell, like the revenue that the author gets when you listen to their book on Spotify Premium is pretty fucking good. Um, So if you wanted to listen to either regrettably I'm about to cause trouble or the rules upheld by no one both are historical fiction Uh, regrettably it has a real Christmassy vibe to it so it's very season appropriate and you have Spotify premium go listen you will both be supporting me and you'll also get to if I do say so myself uh, get to indulge in a in a great uh, story thank you so much guys and I hope you enjoy today's episode The Unpublished Podcast with Amy and James. Hello artists and creatives, welcome to another episode of the Unpublished Podcast. My name is Amy. I'm James. And today we are talking about uh, social media and being a creative and an artist on social media. I know a lot of you probably won't care about this or maybe will. Really? I mean, I think a lot of you will think that social media is a sideshow and I I can understand that for Mm. sure. Amy and I obviously come from the perspective that social media has built our entire business. Mm. So it's hard for us to not feel like it's something that's worth talking about. Definitely. I think it is just such a useful tool for us. I know a lot of creators have a lot of fatigue at the moment when it comes to social media, feeling very like they've been banging their head up against a wall and that it's useless and that it's been using them. And, and I want to use this you know, platform to discuss that and today's episode to really respect that and make sure artists feel seen but also to look at like how i think we should be using it exactly i think what i was trying to say was exactly what you said that Mm. i think a lot of you hate social media or in some way um have a bad not a bad relationship i'm not not, i don't want to blame you for having a bad relationship but i think can rightfully see that it can be difficult sometimes yeah really difficult it can be difficult for even those who are doing a really like you know in inverted commas like good job on it yes and you know and as we talk about all the time like even amy it's this weird thing where because it's this sort of dopamine highway, you just adjust to the amount of dopamine you've been getting. So even Amy with, what, 350,000 followers sometimes feels like social media is bad for her. A hundred percent. It's not doing, it's not always, doing well. It's always adapting. Your mind is always like, <laughs> it's so stupid. It's really stupid. <laughs> but yeah, of course. And of course, there are a lot of risks with social media that it can become a, a, you know, a distraction and also a distraction yeah. from your art it can discourage you from your art it can um be harmful in many ways and of course we, we need, have to be very careful with it we need to make sure we have the power in this relationship and i think too many creatives nowadays feel powerless to it yeah. and it is a it is a disempowering platform and it makes us feel like we are less than and i don't want this to be the case at all i want to give the artists the power and i want you to know that you have power over these apps do you want to talk about quickly what you have done recently in the last few months to get a bit power back over Instagram? What have I done? You don't remember? Oh yeah, no, I do. Do you mean that I can't access it as much? Yeah, yeah. So just in terms of trying to monitor my use of it, I was really, I was, you know, I like, I'm sure, like all of us, I was going through a really intense phase where um, I think I was probably in um, my like my central nervous system went into fight flight, but actually what it did was I froze and I would freeze on these apps so i would like no i couldn't do anything i couldn't make any decisions like and so i would just scroll you mean like if you got uh, what i saw was you would get tired and then you would just be on reels for two hours 
Exactly. And then you would come out of that not at all refreshed or rested. I've spoken about it with my darling therapist, Helen. And we have looked at this as like, I'm kind of, it's like giving a child a toy. Like, I don't know how to look after myself when I'm really tired. Um, and so I give myself reels or I give myself social media. And it's like, here you go. Because the energy of trying to take care of myself, I, I don't have it in me to take care of myself. And so this device is like a, a nanny for tired Amy. And, and do you think that has a place sometimes? I, I mean, I think it can. And I think so many of us can use it as a way, you know, to take care of ourselves. Like I think with all things that we numb with, like they're serving a purpose. Um, but I just wanted to take a little bit more agency over it because it was becoming more of a pattern that I wasn't really comfortable with. So I now have access to Instagram for two minutes a day. Um, and that doesn't mean I'm only on Instagram two minutes a day because James has the password. So it makes for a very intentional practice. So. Can I just explain from first principles that we're using screen time on our iPhones. So there's a restriction on Amy's iPhone and that only I know how to bypass that restriction. Yes. So she has to come to me with her phone and say, James, it's time for me to post on Instagram. Can I please have 15 minutes so I can post on Instagram? Yes. So James has the password. I ask him for the password. Um, and it might not be to post. It might be like, oh, I just want to be on Instagram for a little bit. So I can ask whenever I want. I can even ask for an hour. Um, I'm not really allowed to press all allow all day because um, I don't think it's ever really necessary unless I'm at an event or I'm away from James and I know I'm going to need it. So I either ask for 15 minutes, which is what I do most likely, or an hour. And so it makes for a very intentional relationship with the app. And it means that I'm in control and... And there is like a sort of barrier between me accessing it. It's been so useful. And yeah. I do it the same to you. I have your YouTube password, your Instagram password. I got it all. Yep. And basically you have to ask the other person. I mean, initially the rule was that you have to ask them three times. But yeah. I kind of think we've gotten a bit stuck I with that. I know. That when it, you can tell when I'm extra vulnerable to wanting a scroll. And you'll ask me multiple times, do you really want that? Hmm. Do you really want that? Hmm. And sometimes I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. Fuck you. And to be clear, you know, this isn't about you putting your restriction on a partner who you think is using social media value. It's about that Amy's asked me to do this. And I think that's yeah. got to be an open conversation about like you have to be doing something. I'm doing this as a service to Amy. Amy's yeah. doing this as a service to me. Yeah. Um, if you don't have a partner or someone or a close friend who you can readily, or like a roommate who can readily give you time on these apps, then I think a good strategy would just be to really aggressively use the screen time function. Mm -hmm. And, or um, even if you have the funds available to get a, I can't remember. I've got Freedom. There are a few other productivity apps that basically yeah, just Pat block the Yeah, Pat had that really cool one. Yeah, what was that? Was I it, can't um, remember what it was That called. was One Sec. One Sec. Where, which like every time you open an app, it, it gives you a moment to think about whether like you want to go seconds. on the app. Yeah. yeah. And I think you can also put restrictions on. And this has been, through my, throughout my life, for maybe the past five or six years, I've used restrictions on mm. almost all social media. And sometimes I like let it lapse and I go, oh, I don't need that anymore. I'll be fine. And it's always a bad idea. No, you always need it. I think even as people whose businesses are social media. Especially. Especially, yeah. We still highly recommend you have some kind of restriction on your social media because it is a dopamine casino, a dopamine highway. Yeah. It is. And again, like I want to be able to use this app. Like I enjoy these apps and I am so grateful for the connection I make on these apps, which means I have to put in these boundaries so that it doesn't take over. Like yeah. I want a good relationship with these apps. Because you could spend your entire life answering DMs. Of course I could. You and have comments and... hundreds and hundreds of DMs in your inbox. And yes. you, they all would be lovely to respond to all of them, but then you They're wouldn't do anything else with your life. Exactly. And that's, and that's every time you get a DM, it's a dopamine hit. Every time you get a like, it's a dopamine hit. Every yeah. time you get get a comment it's a dopamine hit so obviously there are feedback loops there where you just want to be i mean it's kind of a good thing sometimes is that now that you've reached a certain level of success mm. inverted commas success i know that that's a tricky word for us 
um, let's say mainstream approval from the app. Yes. <laughs> Suck daddy um, like Amy. It, it doesn't become a kind of virtuous cycle in the same way as well because you always, it's really easy for you to post in the afternoon and evening because you're going to get a huge dopamine rush yeah. and your brain wants it and it feet. And that, whether that's healthy or not, who knows, but it does mean it's easy for you to do the work. It does make it really easy. I mean, there's so much to discuss here, but I would be, I'd like to dive into this a little bit. Over the like past few months, we've just been tentatively looking at um, an ADHD diagnosis for me. And I think you can see that if this is something that I am experiencing, I have gamified basically everything mm. so that I have dopamine rushes when I do them. Yep. So it makes work really easy for me to do because everything has a dopamine rush. Because it can get immediate feedback, essentially. Immediate feedback. Yeah. And that's why I can be so consistent posting each day because I can, I know I can get a huge fucking dopamine rush if I do that. But then I see when your post doesn't get the engagement you want, mm. you get like a down. I do get a which down. Is interesting. So, and like, I, I can't, I, I mean, it's not a particularly like... Um, it doesn't carry on for a long time but I will mention it I'll be like oh I just feel bummed but then that just inspires you to make post, more make more content it does which yeah. is exactly what they want you to do but I don't mind because it's just making art yes you know for me for me I feel like I've gamed the system to the point where it's just useful for me and my creative practice yeah you're lucky that you've tapped into a, essentially a dopamine well that that's can positive feed you, that is that does benefit your life but really that's also why it's important life. to have restrictions on it for you because you know that, that can get that signal can get overridden really really easily mm. really easily and I'm just notice, noticing my relationship changing a little bit to the dopamine rushes that I get because I'm allowed so much less time on there each day yes. um, you know whereas if I could pick up my phone anytime I wanted it and get that rush um, now I only get the rush twice a day maybe mm. if I check it once in the morning with my two minutes and then in the evening with my 15 minutes um, there are only two like it's so funny because I could get like 50 60 dopamine rushes throughout the day really quickly if just oh look at that look at that but I get them all in chunks now mm. and it feels very different yes and it's like feels like my body's more regulated I wonder I know that there's a, a inverse relationship in behavioral economics or behavior you know just general behavioral science about loss aversion like if you you want to get negative news then you want to get it in one chunk you mm. don't like it's We'd much prefer to lose a million dollars than to lose a hundred thousand dollars ten times. Yeah, like it's like over the course of you know several months. Yeah, that the hundred dollars, thousand dollars ten times feels way worse to us because every every loss every is loss just is a bad. loss. I, yeah, I don't know if because the... I will get the same reaction. Like my dopamine hits aren't bigger just because I'm checking less. Mm. They're not like um, like they haven't like piled up. Yeah, you know because when I check my phone. Obviously, I've got a lot more notifications, a lot more comments because I don't check it as much. But it's the same feeling I would get if I checked it all the time. Yeah. And I, I guess the, the inverse relationship would be is that if you are building a platform mm. and you're not as susceptible to Amy as like having floods of dopamine coming in, you also probably don't want to check it all the time because when you very first start building a social media platform, like even Amy's YouTube or Amy's TikTok, which doesn't do as well, like which is in earlier stages, you don't want to check that so often because I don't check then it you're going to feel, you're going to have that shitty feeling constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you'd much rather have that shitty feeling once a month yeah because i don't know it's stupid but i mean most of us feel bad when posts when, someone when posts do. don't do well yeah i know like i feel like a lot of us want to eradicate that like let's not care but i think i i feel happy with caring it's just about monitoring how much i care and like taking care of myself and making sure i'm not overexposed to this kind of stuff it's like yeah you you know you have a, there's a hot stove in front of you and you could either like and you have to check the temperature of the stove You've the got only way to. the only way you can check it is by touching, touching it, it. It's like, well, do you want to keep touching it every second and think like, no, I'm going to build up, I'm going to build up an immunity to touching the stove and I'm going to get a blister on my finger and that blister is going to callus over and then I'm going to have like immunity to touching the stove or just, you know, check it. It's a stupid analogy. 
but or just check it once a month. <laughs> I like it. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. And it's like, I think we were like, well, what's willpower our way into not caring about this these huge businesses that have tried to capture our attention and tried to capture our yeah um, I, I, yeah I, I think it can be like a very uh, a bit of a waste of time and i think it comes with a lot of shame for caring like mm. it doesn't matter you know when, just because you care that your post doesn't work do well or if you're someone who's in a pattern of deleting posts that don't do well like that comes with a lot of shame and i don't i don't think we deserve it like these apps are there to play into our humanity and and it's okay that we care yeah. i think it's really okay that we want our art to connect and that, to feel disappointed when it doesn't it's just about how we deal with that I think there's a, and there is a bias at the moment in artists who think that social media art, they still think social media, posting social media isn't real creation or isn't real art. And I understand that. I know that you, a lot of you want to be writing your books or you want to be playing your music. You don't have to be worrying about these fucking apps. Mm. But I do think there's a kind of undercurrent of people who are making it on social media still aren't considered real artists Mm. in some way. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, I've always felt this and I've often wondered if I'm projecting or if it's like an internal thing. Like I've always felt like um, like I'll get inf- introduced as an influencer more than I'm introduced as a writer in certain circles, you know, like that I've built these platforms and therefore I'm not an actual author, mm. that I'm just a content creator. And it, it, obviously that's really disempowering and shitty. Well- or that someone will consider what you do, your captions on Instagram, they're not real. Exactly. And not even real blogs. Like, yeah. essentially what you do is you blog on Instagram. Yeah. But, like, even blogs are more respected for some reason, even though it's yeah. exactly the same thing. Yeah. Content creation is art, but we're not really about that. Yeah. And I think that people can... I think it's a tricky topic because I totally understand those of you who don't want to have it be your main art and i'm not saying making your own main art it's not amy's main art amy no. spends a lot yeah. more time making things outside of instagram instagram's just like the surface level that you get like you get the first drafts or like the first ideas you get random ideas yeah you don't get that's still not the core art but it is still a part of my a art. part of your art of your process and i respect it and your non-fiction work and your fiction work like you're but they're both creative writing a hundred percent and i think that people think what i put on social media isn't real creative work yeah i agree and i can and i find it i i understand where the pain's coming from but i do i do disagree mm. i think something else that is happening that i'm not sure if i'm gonna go for it in this conversation even though i feel like we've got a lot more to talk about but i see a lot of very viral reels of artists talking about how they they feel that they have to spend more time on social media than on their art that they've never had to promote their art more now than ever and there's this real bitterness that the artist has to be on social media in order to promote their art and again i know these apps are hard but i think there's this like false narrative that current creatives have that we are the first generation to ever have to promote our art (laughs) and it's just so stupid it's like artists forever have had to find ways and have had to put energy into promoting their art it happens that now our way of promoting is often online but it is not something that is special to us like all artists forever have had to to put a lot of time into promoting their art and i don't love this idea that we're like the creative generation that oh we've been we've been fucked because i actually think we've had we've got an opportunity that no one's had before yeah i think it's a it's an interesting relationship because Maybe because in the past, you were only trying to sell to one person. You were just trying to sell, and this isn't entirely true, but this is the narrative. I think it's like, you know, Michelangelo needed to find a patron. Mm. Not Also not true because he sold his art. He didn't just have one patron. He sold his art to many people. But um, what's a better example? Like That's a good example, I think. Yeah, I or, mean, he was prob- probably patron to patron, really. Yeah. Or, you know, Jane Austen had to find 
a publisher. Yeah. One publisher. They said that she had to make one sale. Mm. But then, of course, beyond that, the publisher and her then have to work together to make more sales. But it yeah. does. That's what it used to feel like. I think that's why people still are, are very attracted to the gatekeeper mentality because it's like one one big sale. I make one big sale and then I'm out. And in the business world, obviously, there it's very there are two kinds of businesses. There are the businesses that sorry, that's very simplistic. But there's a big difference between a business that sells business to business and they're just trying to make a few big accounts like mm. you know maybe you're a big consultancy firm yeah and you know for the whole year you need to make one you need to sell your consulting services to one company that's going to make that's going to pay a million dollars for you and your yeah, team to, yeah that's sort of like in a, in a sense that's easier yeah there are lots riding on that one sale yeah huge. versus like if you're a business like us who we're trying to sell hundreds of products yeah or we're trying to sell to hundreds of people thousands yeah. of people every sale you know it, it takes the pressure off every sale. Yes. But it also means that like... There's a lot of work to do that. Yeah, but... A lot of people to but reach. But there's also a lot of work trying to sell to the one person. Yeah. Both- I think it's just like slightly different ways, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, I just feel like we need to understand that social media is just another tool to sell. Yeah. I think the amount of... I find the amount of work that I have to go through to try and sell to a gatekeeper, like the amount of... Oh my God. It, it is almost an insurmountable surmountable battle for me. Like I find yeah. it so hard and so much work to try and essentially market myself yeah to a literary to literary agents so i'm trying to make one big sale yes you are and it and the thing that i hate about it is in trying to make that one big sale i'm selling myself dozens of times for nothing yeah for nothing yeah and i know it's like you can post on social media dozens of times and maybe you also never sell anything but at least you are making some connection yeah and i know it can not feel like that sometimes but people like oh it's free labor it's like you have to do so much free labor as well trying to get a gatekeeper's attention yes you do and you do uh, yeah and, and also to no guarantee exactly it's just it's not as different mm. I, and it's not as special and it's not especially worse yes i mean i think it yeah i just i've been thinking about that a lot um again never wanting to like ignore how difficult it can be on these apps because they are really difficult but i just want us to understand that like this is what artists have been doing for a very long time in slightly different ways and mm. this is not our own it's not gotten worse no, it's just, it's different. It's different, yeah. It's different. Okay, that kind of took us off on a bit of a tangent. I want to come yeah. back to how we can use social media and as creatives and, and have fun with it. Is that what you kind of want to talk about yeah, today? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I was kind of thinking of going over like some of my top tips for creatives on social media. Great. What do you think about that? I'd, I'd love to learn from you. Great. Well, I think you pr- pretty much will know everything I'm about to say. Okay. But thanks for saying that. Amy, to just explain a little bit, like Amy is the Instagram of the two of us. Like I handle <laughs> a lot. I mean, I help Amy with her caption writing some quite often. Like most posts, I'll touch in some way. Or, mm. but Amy's ultimately deciding. Like she has a set. Ultimately, has her own idea of what she should put on Instagram. Definitely, I'm. I'm very aware of what I want to do and how I want to do it and what will work and what won't work. I've been doing this for a very, very long time now, 10 yep. years, and I'm very aware of what flies, what doesn't fly, what connects. I'm very strategic about my Instagram. Yeah. And can I say, what I think is interesting about you is you understand how the algor- algorithm works for you. I do, And yeah. I think there's this idea that there's an algorithm. Yes. And it's not true, right? There's like every account has its own algorithm mm. and Instagram is looking for or Instagram, whatever you're on is looking for different things from different people. I know like often it comes to come down to retention and watch time and interaction, but it's still it is making an assessment on the type of things you post and yeah. where to push it out to. Yeah. Would you like to ask me questions about Instagram? Could that be a good way of Ooh, doing it? Interesting. Yeah. I mean how how do you decide I know that you put a lot of effort into like something being shareable. Yes. How do you what's your conception? Like you, you try and make shareable content. So what does that mean yeah. to you? Yeah. So 
Um, I I don't know what year it would have been. It probably was being 2014. I had 20,000 followers and I was just like backsliding, losing followers by the day. And so I shifted into, I shifted posture into a teaching posture, but I also decided to make content that was incredibly shareable. They bought in the stories features on Instagram sometime around then, which meant... I feel like this timeline's wrong. I feel like we're talking more like 2017 here. Do you want to Google it? No, it's okay. Just Whatever. for you, when I feel like you change your posture. Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't really know years and it's hard to tell my life I know. story. I know. Sorry. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Continue. Um, yeah, no, you're right. You're definitely right. Because I was in Chatswood. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Story feature came in. And so people were sharing Instagram posts and I was like I want to make really shareable content and that's when I started doing these like captions and quotes so I was like okay these are before it was more like uh in the in the captions like I would like write my stories in the captions and it might be a picture of my face or a workspace or a meme um lol I was a meme lord for like several years I'm just <laughs> writing memes yeah. um and so I, then I was like okay I want things to be really shareable and then I just started getting a real good nose for like what people wanted to share and that didn't mean that I was like changing my opinions or my views but I would I was able to alchemize like my ideas into something that was catchy, um, you know, I'd whittle it down into something really punchy that I knew people would want to identify with. And I think that's what we've got to understand is that so much of what we are creating, like what we're trying to do is we're trying to, to make people see themselves in it and you know make people identify with it so i'll write something i'll be like i know that i want i really identify with this and that other people will really want to identify with it and so when they post it on their stories they're saying this is a part of me and who i am and so that's kind of just what i was doing with my creative ideas i was whittling them down into something that people could see themselves in yeah and that is not very different to other forms of creation like that is not very different to what you're trying to do when you write a song mm. or a poem mm. or a book like or act you know it's not you're all you're trying to do is make a connection with people and have people see themselves in what you're doing yes it's the same principle yeah right yes definitely and and um i think you get a lot more information because i was i was learning so quickly from feedback because again on, on, on social media you can fail really quickly because you can share get feedback share get feedback and so i was just gathering information about what worked and what didn't work in terms of just like uh, sharing and connection and like what really resonated with people and again i'm never compromising my integrity just because I'm learning from the, my audience, it doesn't mean I'm compromising who I am, what I am, and how I like to share. We're we about to get some posts. We're about to get some posts. Let's see if he knocks on the door. What day is it? Uh, it is Thursday. Thursday. Oh, my country life a bit early this week. Oh, excellent. No, just oh. gone through the slot. Amazing. Nice. Um, yeah, so it never felt like a... a and I wasn't ever surrendering who I was. It was always good ideas that I really believed in. It was about how I alchemized them into being shareable content on Instagram. Mm. And I think this is something all artists must think about if you want to become a very shareable space and you want to grow your audience. It's like, you know, why would they share this piece of art? You know, and like really asking that question, like, does this piece of art make, like, <laughs> I'm not explaining myself well. No, I think you are. Thank you. When they see your art, do they see themselves and do they want to put it on their stories because they're saying, this is like, this is a bit of me. Do they see themselves in your art? And I think that is what you've really got to look at. Yeah. When you're put, choosing what to share on social if media. If you want to grow a social media platform. Yeah, if presence. you want to grow a social media And if you want to presence. connect with your audience. Yeah. Which again, again is, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't if you don't to. want to, you totally you do whatever don't have to. whatever the fuck you, you want. Whatever you want. If you, if you do want to create for yourself, that's totally fine. If you want to create, you know, just for, you know, something I always find interesting, sorry, this is a tangent, is my favorite creatives almost are dungeon masters in game in in um role-playing games because they're people who want to share their art but they want to share their art to like four people yeah. and they really want to share their art to four people i think it's so cool they're like they're putting so much time and effort into 
building a Dungeons and Dragons campaign and they do want other people to see it. They only want four four or five people. (laughs) I think that's fucking badass. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like that too. Yeah. Okay. Um, Next question. What about, you know, so much rhetoric around static, static is dead. Static is dead. Static is dead. Everyone's talking about video content. Mm. You have to make video. You have to make video if you Mm. want to be successful on social media. What do you think about that? My static content does anywhere from 10 times better to reels to like thousand times better than reels. I cannot get traction on my video content and I can get incredible traction on my static content. Um, I don't know what to say to this. Like I just have had an experience where like, I mean, my reels do okay. They're not, they're not performing badly, but there is nothing magical about them. And my static posts always perform better. I haven't had a viral reel, you know, and I am, I do create reels because I enjoy making video content every now and again, but I just haven't seen it be pushed out in the way that they promised it to. And I've seen static posts remain, if not getting better and better and better for me. Mm. And so this is, I guess, an invitation for you guys to, when you hear about what's going on online, to really question that because I, I, for me, static is king. I don't think the stats bear it out for anyone either. Like, I think that there's, this is obviously great anecdotal evidence for Amy and, and, I agree. Like, obviously, your post, your static posts do very, very well. You get great engagement on them. Um, but people go, you don't understand. Like, I did a reel the other day, and the reel got ten times the reach that my normal post get. I'm like, yeah, okay, that one reel did because they're fucking baiting you. Mm. They bait you with that shit. They push out one reel in ten, and then if you look at the other ones, it's like, okay, what's your actual average? Like, what's your mean interaction on a reel, and what's your median? And you'll see it's fucking nothing. Mm. And but they, they want you to be doing it because they want you on the real tab or they want you on the TikTok on TikTok and they want you doing the infinite scroll. That's mm. what they want you doing for mm. retention. That's what they desperately want. It's not better for you. No, and they're going to bait you with these... Like you, you go and look at someone's um, TikTok or their reels and they've pinned something and it's like, say they've got... Their average reel gets 200 views. Mm-hmm. This one reel gets 50,000. And they're like, oh my God, reels work. It mm. doesn't. It's like that one win at the slot machine... That, that that gets you coming back for the next ones, you know. It's like it just. I don't believe it's the, it's as good as people think it is. I and, agree. I think there is use to them, but I think it's not as good as people are thinking. And I don't think you have to be doing it if that's what you. Uh, some people oh, yeah. obviously are very successful doing them. Please, and if you want to be doing them, that's it. awesome. But it's not this like magical thing. No. And the other thing about video content is it's not anywhere near as good for um, creating fans. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, We're getting a lot of people using videos and finding virality. And so getting a lot of new followers, which is great. We've connected with this one reel. We get a load of new followers. But what's happening is these followers are just there for a, you know, a minute. And they're not returning to you. They're not making relationships with you. Um, and you're not getting, they're not getting fed your stuff. And I see a lot of creators. In fact, I was looking at a, um, a fellow creative the other day whose you know, platform has like, you know, I can't figure out the math, like, what a thousand a hundred times the amount hundred times more than that like maybe 300 times the amount in a very short period of time and their interaction is the same or less than yeah. before that happened and it, and it was because of multiple viral videos but their interaction is the same or less than because if people are coming to you via the reels tab or the youtube shorts tab or on tiktok they're it's in the scroll mm. it's different to the it's main different feed. consumption yeah it's really different like there's just some different, I don't know, something else is happening and they're not, they're not necessarily going to be following your stories, they're not going to be following you as a person. Like they're not actually invested in you. They just, not they yet. just done an action via the tab. Yeah. 
on re- on the reels tab or on the shorts tab or whatever. yeah it's interesting it really is interesting and again you guys are very welcome to disagree with us here this is just what we've seen in our experience but this is what i feel and i just i just want to give creatives James, how are you come you're allowed to put your microphone to your eye hole? Because I do it in a really soft way where you can't hear it. I'm not allowed to do shit. Because I'm careful scared. about it. It does feel really nice. It's like some kind of pressure thing on the eye socket. Sorry, everyone. That's disturbing. Um, yeah, I forgot. I got super distracted. Reels. Um, yeah. So if you're... People are getting... So obviously, some people can really do a good job of building a brand. And I hate, people hate that word, I know, but no matter what you're doing, if you want to sell your art, you are building a brand. You're building a brand. You are. Sorry. Whether you're doing it with, you know, something through a gatekeeper or you're doing it on social media, you are building a brand. Yeah. And some people are really good at building a brand through video so that they will... I think comedians can often be really good at this. Yeah, I think... Can I... I, I think you're right. Like, there yeah. is something about... Um, and I feel like I choose to use reels because they can witness me and yeah. I talk and you can see me speak and that's why I choose to do it. Mm. To remind people that who I am to remind people that I'm a good speaker and, and, and if you if you get enough hits then they will see you enough they'll be like, oh that's that's the, Amy that's that's Amy that's the chick who does that thing those notes yeah yeah exactly yeah I use reels as a way to show my face mm. anyway it's interesting yeah Next. and you know and as we we had Seth Hatton on the podcast the other day and oh, he has a great example and you can you he has very effectively used tiktok and reels to sell books you're right it, it, it does work yeah it's just not gonna it's not the panacea that you think it's gonna no, be I, yeah that's a great way to say it and i yeah i mean go back and listen to seth's thing if you are interested in this part in the using videos to you know sell art because he does it so well but you know he often says so he built i think he, he's built up to 50 or 60k followers on tiktok but that's not what's really driving sales it's still when one of them goes viral yeah he's, he, so he has to search for virality in order to do it but yeah. because he has a platform that has gone viral before it like I feel like it accumulates itself he's more and more likely to go viral it, yeah i'm sure there is a bit benefits like there's cumulative advantage and yeah it's probably more likely to push you out and it's going to show you to more people if you get bigger but it's mm. still not like it's a difficult it's a different game it's a different game yeah, it's a and different they're still going they still do that thing where they where only it's like one in 20 or something goes big mm. and, the others, and that could be worth it for you whereas i feel like for you amy you get pretty good interaction on most of your posts and then still a few of them do much bigger than others yeah i'll get like a yeah like a good average and then every now and again a static post will go banana do you want to notice do you want to talk about this thing quickly like what is happening with you lately and it's been in the last six months where you'll post something and it will do normal Mm -hmm. and then like two three weeks later it'll suddenly go viral like what is going on there i don't know wonder if anyone else knows this and it's happened like a little bit yeah about six months since we've really moved is that i will post something and it will actually underperform oftentimes i'll be like oh it's a bum i thought i was a bit i thought it was a great you know idea or a great sentence Mm. and i'm like okay whatever i move on and then two weeks later i'll be like wow my following is like really growing at the moment and i look back and it and that post that tanked itself has been picked up and it's gone viral and there's no reason it's like the algorithm's working slightly slower at the moment and it's and it's choosing what to push out later Hmm. anyway no idea it makes sense for for instagram right that they wouldn't just one and done things like it makes sense that they would keep trying to push something out because then they don't require new blood constantly yeah yeah interesting and they can just keep testing something testing something testing something Anyway, it's been interesting and for me it's been nice because it means that like i don't have to look so much at like okay so that post didn't do very well in the first day i'm like okay well let's just leave it see what happens later and it's mm. a bit of a longer game rather than like a very very fast experience what do you think about the importance of consistency on socials 
Yeah, people talk about this a lot. And the problem is, is that I've been so fucking consistent that I'm very rarely been inconsistent that it's hard for me to know the two the difference mm. like but i have been incredibly consistent and i've been successful particularly on instagram and i think again with youtube as i'm building this platform over there the more consistent i am the more people follow me there's something about you're building a relationship with an audience when you use these apps and when you build a relationship you're trying to build trust and when you show up regularly you're just able to to develop that connection and develop that trust you know so much easier mm. and so i do think there is something to it i don't think there's something to it every day and i think you can do your own type of consistency but i think some sort of consistency has been very useful for me and for other creatives because again this is about building a relationship and i think building a relationship any relationship requires a bit of consistency mm. yeah and what do you think about people who are like i don't want to post because i don't have any good ideas yeah interesting um it's bullshit obviously um i think social media is a space for shitty art i think it is a space for just a lot trying things failing fast it's such a great space for just trying a load of different things seeing what works seeing what doesn't work and i know that's hard because there comes a lot of vulnerability with posting something that you're not entirely sure is good but there is so much room for you to figure out and get data back really quickly so you might not have any good ideas, but I'm going to call perfectionism and say, well, then post a medium idea and see how it does. Um, start playing around. This is overruling my initial idea of not touching the, the hot stove every day, but you can also check your analytics not that regularly. You don't have, you don't have to. Day. You don't have to be keeping track of it all mm. the time, I guess. Mm. You could be putting things out and then and then looking at the analytics of over a longer period of time, mm. not on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, can I explain this just in a little bit more detail and... The analogy I'll use is from Nassim Taleb, who you all know I love because I did a whole podcast about him recently. Nassim, Nassim. And he talks about this this a stock trader who, or sorry, he talks about a retired dentist who sits at his computer every day and there are a few different versions of the dentist. And version one checks his stocks every single day and there's, you know, like... Why is he a dentist? Nassim likes to use a gen- loves to use dentists as examples. Okay, I don't cool. know. So it's not He's relevant. a retired dentist. He has his, all his money he's taken from his dental practice. Okay, he's yeah. put into a, an, an account, a trading account. And he just sits there. He doesn't trade. He just watches his... It can't go up and down. Mm-hmm. Now, there's like a 51% chance it'll go up in a day and a 49% chance it'll go down. But that feels... But, so every time he looks at his stocks, he's getting almost no good information because it's essentially random. Mm. But then over the course of a month, then and then over the course of the year, those probabilities... So it's like over the course of a month, it's like a 60% chance it goes up and a 40% chance it goes down. Mm. So you're getting more... Ac- and you're getting better and more accurate information then as you go along because the percentages are more... Uh, more. There's more spread between the percentages there. Mm. And after a year, like the noise is starting to dissipate there. So if yeah. you check once a year, and also you're not going to you're not going to be susceptible then to negativity bias. You're not going to mm. get as depressed from it going badly. You also won't be as joyful from it going well, but you'll have fewer hits of badness then, mm. and there'll be less um, superfluous bullshit by the end of the year. So you'll actually know how your investments did rather than just like sort of looking at a random line going up and down. Yeah, definitely. It's like how I, we've spoken about this before that creatives should be looking at like how they're doing within like a, a month to three months period, not day to day. Like we need it to pull back and to, to take several steps back to really get the information correctly. Same with business. Like the way that our business works is a lot of our sales happen around, a lot of our money we make around sales. Yeah. And around. Sale right now, by the way. Sale yeah. right now. And um, around the collective opening and closing, around a yeah. book launch, things like that. So it's stupid for us to look at like what's our March, even our March sales is stupid. Like, yeah, almost really have to go quarterly or six monthly for us yeah, to really see to see understand, which makes it hard for us to plan and budget. 
That's been a topic of conversation <laughs> lately. But it also means that, like, it's just there's no point in us checking our stats every day. Yeah, yeah. Because I, daily sales is meh. It's super interesting. And I think it's annoying that you have to look at your notifications when you open your social media mostly. Like, it pops up, mm. but um, which is frustrating. It'd be better to be able to look at it like you pick, you can click on it or, like, you know, have to go through another app or something. So you could really choose when you get the data. Mm. But I think really maybe it's about just like knowing it's not important until you look at it on a much broader scale. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Another question? Um, not a question. I guess I, I wanted to have a, a second to do some math for everyone. Oh, lovely. I think I want to talk about Kevin Kelly's 1000 True Fans, which I will, which is a blog post, which is he's expanded a couple of times, I think. And, um, it's available for free online. I'll put the link down in the description. But Kevin Kelly is a... I think he's a... I don't know if he's a writer or he's just a blogger, but he has this idea where it's... Um, just a blogger. I'm so sorry. What the fuck? You're just a blogger too, Amy. Thank you. I know that was a really fucked up thing for me to say. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, he talks about the fact that really to make money as a creative, you need a thousand people giving you a hundred dollars a year. Great. That's it. That's like actually do the math on that and you're making a hundred grand mm. from that which is fucking bananas mm. like then you're making more money than most people mm. if you have a thousand people willing to give you a hundred dollars a year so slide that up and down say you sell more expensive artworks then you know if, if you if it's you might need 200 people to give you 500 dollars a year mm. or something you know it's like it might sound like a lot but a lot of us think we need millions yeah. of people. And it's yeah. like a million trash followers are no. worth basically nothing, like, are worth less than a thousand great followers yeah. and great fans. A, a thousand people willing to buy from you and who have a relationship with you, who like you, who value your work, are worth so much more than fucking hangers on. Yeah. And this should be our focus on social media. Yes. We're finding our thousand truth fans. Which is why I think reels can often, reels can often lead to that millions of people. Yeah. But how many of them are actually going to be people? And I'm not just talking about extracting monetary value from people, but like people who actually are going to engage with what you're doing and yeah, like what you're and doing. Yeah, love what you're doing. Which is the biggest reward from creating. It's like people who are going to connect with you and send yes. and like tell you that and show you that you're valued and who are going to get something out of your work. Like these mm. are the people you want to be attracting. A hundred percent. We had a was it a bad review or was it a comment? Comment. Uh, it was a comment on our Spotify saying that our podcast was too focused on. On money. On money. <laughs> yeah. Oops. That's it. Great. I love that you've misunderstood everything I've talked about for the last three Oopsies. years. Um, you know, but I guess this podcast, again, is it's about um, creatives who want to connect with their art. We want to take you seriously if you if you do want to make money. Exactly. If you don't want to make money from your art, of course that's fine. <laughs> it's really cool. But like, if you do, which I suspect, even if you say you don't, I suspect most of you would love to connect, at least you know, connect, connect yeah. with your art. Yeah. Even though there are benefits, there are plenty of benefits just to just to creating for creating's sake. There are mm. Lots of mental health benefits to that. A lot of fulfillment benefits to that. But I bet you, a lot of you would love to connect and make money from it. And that shouldn't you shouldn't be feel you shouldn't feel shamed for that yeah. or like that's wrong or like it's impossible or that it's like embarrassing. Like I guess it, I'm trying to heal a wound, you know, for mm. me because I felt so embarrassed that I wanted to make money. And you were told for ages you couldn't exactly. And I don't think that message. I think we know. I think we we're, we're pretty. I think we know society doesn't want us doing this. Yeah. And I think that. A lot of the time, what we need is for someone to say it's possible. Yeah. And I That's don't want to patronize you or anything. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of I mean, my mission is to give you guys tools yeah. to hopefully help you maybe very find it a little bit easier. Yeah, connected and have happy and abundant creative lives. Yeah. 
because there's, there's a, not a lot of information out no, there. No, there isn't. A lot of gatekeeping, a lot of people, a lot of lack of transparency. Yeah. A lot of people bring the ladder up behind them. Yeah. You know, I think just think. We need these conversations. We need these conversations. So yeah. I'm sorry, guy from Person, Spotify. Yeah. Um, any other questions you want to finish this off with? Oh my God, James, you just kissed the mic. I'm actually upset because a lot of my family have a tick where they do that and I'm developing it too. Are you? That's so weird. I know. Not like judging ticks. It's just weird that it's a familial thing. It's only the Jewish side of my family. Interesting. Maybe, it, maybe it's something. Maybe it's, maybe something. it's a Jewish thing. <laughs> maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. Any but other questions, all, James? Um, no. Okay, cool. I'm trying to think if I've got anything else to say. I mean, I have so much to say about social media. It wouldn't surprise me if we do a part two on this. And I would love to have your questions about social media as well. We probably should have asked you guys if you have any, because I would love to open this up and let's have very open conversations about um, how we build platforms on social media, how we how we have joyful lives as artists on social media. So please feel free to send questions through and, and we can do in a part two on this. Yeah. Yeah, I had fun. Thank you. I had lots of fun. Thank you so much, James. Do we have um, any announcements we want to make? No, sale will be over by the time this we may have done an ad at the beginning of this episode i, I doubt don't know. it i feel like maybe i haven't because what would you do it for just random stuff i think we should do it for spotify premium shut up and the audiobooks okay, so maybe you it. heard that already wow maybe you did lucky you time's heard it a crazy thing <laughs> all right guys thank you so much for being here we love you we love you so much bye and i'm trying to press stop right <laughs>